Hey, it's Dan here. If you want to hear this episode of the Backchat Podcast without ads and get extra content that no one else gets, head to backchatstudios.com.au where you can sign up as a patron and access all of our bloody good merch. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, this week on Backchat, we've got Tom Mitchell, a son of a gun, Brownlow medalist, best and fairest winning ball magnet. There's not too much Tom hasn't done on the field. He's been around success across three clubs, but he's still chasing the ultimate glory of a premiership. And that's what drives everything he does as a player. Great insights into preparation and mindset, going above and beyond the norm to success and fighting through the adversity of a broken leg in his prime. Cracking podcast with one of the hardest working men in footy. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Give us a rating and follow Backchat on YouTube to watch all of our episodes. Enjoy. Righto, excited for this one. Back chat, powered by Fleet Network for the 2023 season. Very happy to have them on board. Beep, beep. Uh, this man right here, um, he's just played a game over here, so very generous with his time. Tommy Mitchell, welcome. Thanks, boys. Good to be on the Thanks, Back mate. Chat pod. I've been a big fan from afar and good to uh, get into Scoey's garage and get to work. <laughs> yes, that's very good. Now, we've just seen you sit down and do an interview with the Dacos boys, so we'll get to that. We'll talk about that. But the mm. first question we ask every guest yeah. – on the Back Chat podcast. Uh, we, we know you've won the Brownlow medal. I mean, you know, you can't do much better on the field. How many other Brownlow medalists have we had here? I don't know. Uh, was Shane that Shane Wood? Wood? Yep. Matty Prudis? No, I haven't had Prudis. He's been sliding out of the DMs. So you're the second. That's <laughs> so he's done the Brownlow Brown medal, Lee Matthews trophy. He's won Best and Fairest, um, Rising Star nominee. He's been on the front of calendars. Yeah, he's played for three clubs. We know what he's done. We know what you've done, right? Mm. And we just want to say for the moment we don't care. <laughs> we want to know your greatest sporting achievement, not – on the footy field. Okay. So um, Dan's actually left his cricket trophy <laughs> yeah, off to the side over here. Yeah, I was trying to get it hidden here. in a little, as a little uh, thing for I've the Dacos pod. Yeah. Uh, yeah, have that's, that's, you? I have, yeah. No, I've heard. Because <laughs> I reckon I've heard you tell this story. <laughs> five I think I was telling 16. you when we were in Amsterdam one time. Yeah, five yeah. for 16 in a grand final. They lost. Uh, that was Dan's. I was a state mm. under nines hurdling champion. So don't feel like you have to impress us too much. Yeah. Yeah. Although those two things are very <laughs> impressive. Yeah. What do you got for us? Your greatest yeah, sporting achievement, not on the football field. All right. <laughs> I feel like it's going to be from June, the junior days. I'm just, I'm just taking my mind back. So I do have a cricket one. So I used to bowl leg spin 
Absolute yeah. pies. Wow. Yeah, Shocking. Similar. Exactly. I remember I was a Kerry Grammar boy. Um, yes. My first game for Kerry, we were playing Melbourne Grammar. I went um, three overs, zero for 38, I think it was. <laughs> Absolutely tonked out of the park. That's anyway, not the greatest sporting achievement. No, nah, it's not. So just, that's, uh, that's just, just a quick saying, though, shit gets wickets. It shit, does. Shit well, get I'm getting to that. So <laughs> worked on the uh, the leggies. For, that would have been in year seven, I reckon. Worked on the leggies for a couple of years. And year nine, I played uh, in a rep team. Um, it was called – the team was ECA, so Eastern Cricket Association. No, I'm just guessing there. But um, <laughs> I got – I, I, similar to you, I got a Fifer. Oh, no. Um, I still got tonked. It might have been like a Fifer 40, but, uh, <laughs> hey, shit gets wickets like you said. <laughs> so I still remember. I still remember getting a Fifer in a, in a rep game. A um, Fifer's impressive. I'm just – well, I'm not that impressed. But <laughs> I just imagine Tommy in the living room just spinning them up, just like I've got to work on the spin. You're a footballer, mate. You're not cricket. But well done, Fifer. That's a no, good thanks. effort. Uh, the other question we like asking here, cars. Mm. What was your first car? Fleet Network looking after us um, out here at Backchat. Novated Leasing. Novated Leasing. Awesome. We might have to sort you out with the contact <laughs> yeah, there actually. But good. first car, can you remember? So, what was yeah, it? I obviously lived in WA. I did year 10, 11, 12 at Hale. Um, so I still consider myself a Victorian, but lived in WA. And because I come from Melbourne, I was the first kid in the year to get, get my license because I was a year older than everyone. So yes. I got a lovely Mazda 2, which was um, – Tiny. Tiny. It was tiny. <laughs> but but you, um, you were the kid in I was school. that guy. Yeah, I was that guy with the car. Macca's so, drive-through runs. Yeah, everything. Kids, yeah. <laughs> Going through Hungry Jacks at 1 a.m. in the morning. Did you keep a Victorian license? I had a mate that I got drafted with that had his Victorian license till he was 23 and he was living in WA. You really? didn't, did you do that? I can't even remember. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have had it when you moved over. No, nah, I wouldn't have had it. No, nah, my first one would have been a WA license. What yeah. colour was it, your car? It was like a dark grey. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So it did the joke. Going from A to B. And now I, I, actually, my brother still has the car. So it's still, wow. in, the it's still in the family. It's just been passed down. <laughs> it's a generational piece of yeah. shit. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, let, okay, let's start there then. Growing up, um, you said you're a Kerry boy, Victorian. We like Victorians here. Um, you grew up in Victoria. Your old man, footy player, Barry Mitchell. Uh, what's, the, what's that like growing up? Do you, you, you grow up a footy family? Yeah, big time. So, dad. Played 200 AFL games and all I ever knew as a kid was footy because as soon as dad finished playing, he went into coaching. Well, he, prior to that, he was the fitness coach at Carlton. So that would have been early 2000s into an assistant coaching role under uh, Wayne Britton. And then from then onwards had roles at Hawthorne, Frio. That was the reason we moved over here. So my earliest memories of being in the Carlton change rooms when I was about five years old. Cooter was my favorite player. Yes. Uh, dad and Cooter were good mates. So I had the, so cool. uh, 43 in my back. And I used to yeah be around all the Carlton footballers, um, yeah, literally from when I was a little kid. And I thought that was normal, but looking back now, it wasn't normal. And yeah, I have a, had a very privileged uh, upbringing in that regard and I have loved footy ever since I was a kid. So uh, do you have memories? Were you born when he was playing at Sydney? Um, no, I don't remember him playing at all, but um, yeah, he finished his career as a Carlton player. Yeah. So that would have been... 94, 95, 96, I was only – would have been three years old. So I don't remember. But I reckon from about five onwards, I remember being in the locker room. Yes. You know, there's Favola walking around, Lance Whitnell, um, you know, all, the, all these type of guys. And, um, yeah, that was just a, a cool thing to be a part of. So he's a three-club player, Sydney, Collingwood, Carlton. Yep. Does that – do you think about that at all? There's some similarities. There's yeah. some similarities in there. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny how we've sort of – Going on similar journeys with our footy. Um, hopefully, there's not a fourth club for me. I'm pretty happy at Collingwood. So, uh, but yeah, we've had a similar journey. 
Um, yeah, so I just I just wonder the dynamic because not you know not many kids playing. There's father son you know running around um, obviously, but not many have that uh, the, the father to look up to. Like, is that the relationship with you have your old man watching what he did? You mm. wanted to be like him? Is that yeah, definitely. I he wore the number ten, and I used to wear the number ten on my Carlton jumper every birthday. I was sound like a little sport brat here, but uh, my grandparents, so dad's parents would make me a Carlton banner and I'd run through that for say my third, fourth, fifth <laughs> yeah. birthday through the crepe paper. Yes. We'll get you some photos if you like. That's um, amazing. So yeah, I thought oh, I always wanted to play for Carlton. I, was, I loved Carlton, went to every game. I'd cry when they lost. Uh, I remember there was a game, Ben Dixon kicked a goal after the siren playing for Hawthorne. Um, against Carlton, I remember crying after that game. Thank you, but, yeah, but I, like I've got like a because I was so entrenched in footy, like with like players' numbers from that era. Like I just I don't I know every player. Like I just loved footy, and um, yeah, that probably yeah probably not to that level now, but I've always loved footy. So as you said, you grew up in Victoria, um, APS at Carey, um, alumni there, Geelong College, APS. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you move here as a fifteen-year-old. Your old man gets the job at Frio, um, assistant coach, two thousand eight. Yeah, sound right? Yeah. Um, what's that? That's that like? That's that's pretty. That's pretty late to be moving schools. Yeah. Fifteen year old. What's that time? Yeah, like? it was a tough age because everyone sort of got their friendship circles, and in a weird way, I think it was one of the best things for my footy because under 15s, they call it the schoolboys Vic team. I missed out on that and I was shattered. But then I came over to WA. And I was turning sixteen that year and didn't know anyone. Um, I knew actually, sorry, Ben Danaher. So Neil got a job at West Coast. So we didn't know each other in Melbourne, but we became mates. But I just got stuck into my training and my footy and I'd occasionally go down to Freo and do some sessions there. And that was sort of my breakout year. Um, went to the National Carnival that year and won the award for whatever that is, the player of the carnival. And sorry, that was sort didn't of- have that off the list. Hey, yeah, add that one. one. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but that was, sort of, I don't know, like through not having a lot of mates when I first got here because I didn't know anyone and- putting a lot of energy in my footy, it kind of paid off in some other ways. So I was kind of grateful looking back for the move to Perth. Did you win a couple of cups with Hale? Is that right? I think we won two. Wow. Huge. Two or three. Who was your coach then? Remember? Um, I do. That's oh, Paul Pios. Paul Pios. Yeah. Former Unreal. Eagles player. That's yeah. very good. Yeah. So you reckon that time really helped develop your footy? You get picked up in 2012 as father-son. Pick yeah. 21, which is early for a father-son pick. They have to match it for someone else. Yeah, obviously. I think the rules have changed since then. Right. But yeah, it was funny how quickly that all came about because after that um, national carnival, um, you know, Sydney Sydney came to me with an offer, and I was only sixteen at the time. But they they said, you know, we can we can commit to doing something now, and we can get you over and doing some training, some pre seasons, and um, it was the same year actually that the Giants were coming into the league, so. I was also chatting with them and they were saying, you know, if you nominate for the draft, we'll take you as well. So I was in a very unique situation due to the father-son rule where I had some decisions to make slightly earlier than most kids, um, which was a a good problem to have. And I I felt so grateful and so lucky to be in that position. Um, So, yeah, I probably knew my fate, you know, a couple of years prior to the draft and ended up deciding to go to the Swans. Um, Why? Why? I remember going, did a trip to Sydney. I went to both clubs. there was one night I went to the Swans facility. There was Jared McVeigh, Jude Bolton. Um, and anyway, we, we did a tour of the club and I don't know, it was pretty surreal. I don't know how this came about, but we walked onto the oval of the SCG. 
the lights came on, they played a highlights video and then they were like Holy you know, shit. Yeah, it was cool. Sixteen how old are you at this age? I reckon sixteen, seventeen. But um they were like, Oh, you know, how you could be a part of this with forty thousand fans at the SCG and I'm like, oh, sign me up. That's um, huge. And that I sounds guess, like NBA, you know, like yeah, when they're yeah, the free agents, like the whining and dining, they bring them in. It was pretty cool. Um and I you know, I remember the next preseason as well. Um you know, I'd come back from school to Sydney and just do some trips and I moved in with, with Goodsey for a little bit, which was awesome learning experience. Moved in with Paul Riz and his family who have been great to me across my journey as well. And yeah, I guess from the Giants side, it was hard to see what the club was going to be. Um, we went to Breakfast Point where all the younger players sort of set up to live. We went to the um, the stadium, but it was being built. So it was just kind of hard to visualise um, yeah, how the club was going to turn out. They've turned out to be a great club and I would have had a lot of mates from my draft year who would have been there. So not sure if I, you know, would have had a great time. I'm sure I would have had a great time there um, going to the Giants but ended up going with Sydney. Did, so, did your dad have much sort of, like did you rely on him to help you make the decision or was he sort of like, you know, letting you yeah, make he, that your no, own Yeah, he left it all up to me. He said, this is your decision. He stayed right out of it. Um yeah, it was just a unique situation, um, you know, having to make a decision at a young age and, um, yeah, it was a big decision and, yeah, he, he sort of stayed out. But there was a deadline that I had to make the call either way mm. to let them know, to give them the courtesy to, you know, make their plans moving forward. So it all happened really fast. So that was 2012. Your first year was 2012. Sydney won the flag that year, yeah. which I'm sure you know. Yeah, thanks um, for reminding me. Sorry, <laughs> but you, you couldn't you couldn't crack in. So what, what's mm. into that side? So what's that year like? Do you look back at it fondly as a missed opportunity? Uh, what, what what are your reflections on the first year at that footy club? Well, I think I was injured the whole year. I had knee tendonitis. Um, I think I played. I'm only guessing five, maybe five games of the year. So I was probably never. Yeah healthy or fit enough to get a clean run at it. Um, I remember having a meeting with the coach that year saying, you know, just be ready. You never know in case we might need you. But my, my body wasn't up to it. Um, it was still really cool to be a part of, like, you know, mm. but, you know, when they say, you know, everyone's a part of it, you don't really feel a part of it unless you're in the playing team. You would know that, yeah. you know, having teammates who have missed out, you know, they'd love to – you'd love to have everyone playing. But, like, to – yeah, see the boys so happy and to be out on the ground still when the confetti's flying around, like as an 18-year-old kid, it was still really cool. But yeah, having said that, would have loved to be out there. I know hindsight's always, you know, twenty twenty. but you look back on that year and if you take yourself back to the 18-year-old kid, are you thinking, well, I'm just going to get myself back here and like this will happen every year type type attitude? Like it's mm. like, well, this happened now, this, this is going to happen again. I th yeah, well, I feel like, um, I feel like every player has – twists and turns and challenges in their career. 2014, I got dropped after round 23. Um, I, I, to that point, that was my best game in my career. And you know, I, was, I was so excited to go into a final series. Didn't get picked. The team went on to play in a grand final. I was like, there's another missed chance to play in the granny. They lost, but I, I you know, thought I should have been playing. Then you get to 2016, you know, I, it was a consistent player, um, playing every week by then, but you lose a granny. And I think it makes you hungry, I think. My footy from that point on when I left to Sydney, got to Hawthorne, um, Clarko was amazing for me. And I think that hunger and drive from missing out and having that hardship, you know, along the way sort of spurs you on to, um, you know, there's two ways you can, you can, you can either make you go, you know, one way or it can drive you to want to be better. And yeah, Clarko gave me an amazing opportunity to come to Hawthorne and really help me take my game to a new level. And then 
you know, hopefully there are some more finals on the horizon this year. Unfortunately, I know what the conversation goes like, but what is that conversation when you're getting dropped before a final series <laughs> like? What's that conversation like? It was a very brief conversation. I remember walking down to the hallway to the team meeting room and I was – maybe I was oblivious, but I was almost adamant I was playing, so I, did, I didn't even think – we were actually chatting with the Dacos boys about it at dinner because Josh had had some similar experience and it was just it was just a tap on the shoulder before walking to the meeting, we're not, we're not playing this week. Um that was all it was. Um, what what happened in your brain? That's what happened. But um, I was emergency, so I still got told, you know, we need to be at the ground, we needed to be prepared to play. Um, so I did that and I was the emergency for that final, the prelim and the granny. So I sort of was still right on the cusp. There was no injuries, but, yeah, missed out. So that year you had 64 and 4 in a game in the NAFL. Mm. It's a decent game. <laughs> well, it was a tough one. 64. Yeah. That's stupid. Yeah, you're getting fed up. It was frustrating. Yeah, it was because um, it was almost felt helpless because I was like, "There's nothing I can do." Yeah, at the moment, Um, you can't. You actually can't play any better than that. Like, yeah, it was a a streak of games where I was playing some really good footy. um, But you know, the senior team was winning at a strong midfield. But I just couldn't couldn't quite get. I got got in later in the year. Uh, I think I played the last two games of 2014 and and played well. So. yeah, I was, I was hopeful and confident going into the finals, but it didn't go my way. Did you say? Did you say before that that game that you got dropped? You said that that's still your best game of footy oh, ever played? to that point in time. It right, was, right, right, yeah. right. I was going to say you've had some decent games post that. <laughs> so when when you get sixty four and four um, in the in the AFL, what are the what the NFL, yeah. what are the conversations like with the coaching at Sydney? Are they like just just keep doing oh, it? Take, like, me, take me back. This is ten years ago. I know, but like yeah. you know, usually you pick up, you you go. All right, he's in the in the squad next game. Like yeah. Yeah, you're testing my no, memory. I right. think uh, I'll have a think. I'm, I just remember the team, the senior team was going well and, you know, they, they were winning. So you can understand that, yeah. you know, maybe they just wanted to stick with the same team. And, um, you know, on reflection, I can look back and understand that. At the time, it's frustrating because you're just so eager, especially as a young guy, you just want to get in and play and you're working so hard and doing everything you can. And it's just not going your way, but I'm not the only person that that's ever happened to. It's every single player I think you ever speak to has some form of hardship along the journey, whether it be getting dropped or missing out on opportunity. But I think it's what makes you stronger like anything in life. It, um, it can help shape you. And, yeah, I think it's all part of it. Every, every single player would have a similar story. Um, is it additional pressure in your mind, the father-son element? No, I don't think so. Uh, maybe early days. Um, but I think once I started playing uh, regularly, yeah, I don't, it doesn't cross my mind really. No. no, no, I would say the same thing as a teammate of father son guys. You rock up, so like, oh, father son, and then about five seconds later, it's like okay, let's get. I wonder it. if it is different though. If your dad's like an all time legend, say like a Gary Ablett or a maybe Peter Takos, I don't know. Maybe it is different. So, yeah, maybe. maybe. Ablett seemed yeah, to do okay with it. Yeah, he, he actually did very well. With it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Dacos boys are going all right too. Yeah, true. Uh, what about some coaches and stuff you played with and and played under um, at Sydney? So. Ruse mentioned. Yeah, I know. I know. I know, didn't play under him, but you had a bit to do with him. But you yep. played under Longmire. Yep. You've played like your three clubs you've played with. You know, Sydney, Hawthorne, and Collingwood, right up there with the biggest clubs in the, in the land. You, West Coast probably number four. So if you do want to come to the fourth, sort some <laughs> things out of West Coast. <laughs> yeah. But uh, like, what's what's playing under John Longmire like? What's he like as a coach? Yeah, horse. Obviously, um, you know, he, he's had great success as a coach and. I think, you know, playing in that successful period throughout North Melbourne, I think there was, um, you know, a lot of things from that 
period of time that were probably drilled into the way the Swans were run as a club, and it was it was all based around working really hard, being really disciplined, uh, being in, being united as a team, and um, yeah, you know that was a that was a great club to be a part of the Swans because there were so many good, experienced players to learn from. Uh, I remember my first day walking into the club. Um, you know, Brett Kirk was the first guy that came up to me and said g'day. Craig Bolton. He was, a, he was a great player. Yeah. Uh, you know, he'd sometimes pick me up, take me to training. Drew Bolton was one of my favourites, still is. He was just a, a genuine guy, uh, would look after all the young guys, Reece Shaw, Adam Goods. Like there's Nick Malcheski, Nick Smith. There's so many names that I look back on and absolutely loved my time at the Swans because these guys had been there and achieved so much in the game. And you're like a sponge when you're that age and you look, it up, look up to these guys. You've been watching them on TV for years, so... You know, in that regard, I feel like going to Sydney was a good decision because, you know, being able to learn from these guys who were all superstars was pretty awesome. Um, does does the blood culture, the bloods culture, is that real? People people who haven't been inside those four walls and hear the bloods culture. Is that a thing? Is that, is that something that's spoken about as a Sydney bloke? Uh, trying to remember. I think, uh, I think every club has like a mantra or a mm. trademark or something they want to identify as and – yeah, the Swans had something they wanted to identify as and that was around that hard-nosed brand of, of footy and the way you conduct yourself off the field. So I think they've been pretty good at doing that over their journey and I think it's not uncommon though for every team to have something, you know, a set of rules or standards to try and live by. So I guess that has a title, but I think every club does similar things. I'm trying to get you up to the present tense so we can get that memory sorted out. But Sydney, <laughs> yeah, thanks. You Sydney, should have done some planning before yeah, coming Yeah, thinking about your life. Now, Sydney... <laughs> yeah. Sydney trade you to Hawthorne. Yeah. You remember that time? Can you remember yes. motivations around it? How does that go down? Did yeah. Did discussions, happy, sad? I was, yeah, I was keen to seek more opportunity basically. Like I was playing but still I was, um, you know, I was always the mid coming off the bench or playing low time or just sort of, you know, there was Josh Kennedy and, and Dan Hanabry and these guys were up and about and the peak of their powers flying. So I just wanted to go somewhere where I could get a, a really good run at it. And, you know, coming back to Melbourne, that was another factor coming back home, which I always wanted to do at some point. And then also going to a club like Hawthorne who had just come off a period of sustained success. So it felt like the the stars were aligning and it was uh, the perfect fit. Um, yeah, I spoke to a few other clubs, but Hawthorne was always where I wanted to go. Um, I've missed one from your time at Sydney. Your tooth? My tooth, yeah. <laughs> Did you knock your tooth out out in the field and then pick it up yourself and just jog it off? <laughs> I don't know if that's true. No, <laughs> I think I got it knocked out at training. Um, I've actually got a fake tooth, so um, looks good. I thought yeah, I saw footage tell. of somewhere that you you got smacked in the mouth. Tooth came out. I swear I saw you. I don't picking think it that up. was me. Okay. I don't think that was me. But there is a photo of me from training, which my housemate Harry Cunningham took of me at the footy club after I got my tooth knocked out at training. Looked like a bit of a hillbilly, so that sort of got <laughs> I got passed around the footy club. What's that like walking into Hawthorne then? As as you said. Um, you've come in, so end of 16s, they've won three flags, mm-hmm. some of them four-time premiership players. Is it uh, – are you walking into success? Well, 2017, we didn't make finals. 2018, we finished top four. Um, so I guess, yeah, there was yeah. – yeah, so our first year was the year Jager and I joined the club. There was Ty Vickery. There was a few other players, Ricky Henderson, a few other guys. So it was a completely new mix, new team. And we were all adapting and learning coming from different systems and styles. And, um, yeah, Clarko 
was an amazing guy, amazing coach. And, you know, we, we, I don't know what our record was that year. I think we were on the cusp of finals. We didn't make it, but it was definitely the right move to go to Hawthorne. It was such a great club. Loved my time at Hawthorne. And then the next year we, we got going um, and we, we had some, yeah, some really strong performances. And yeah, I think we finished fourth that year. We still had some great experience in the team. We had Shawnee Burgoyne, Ruffy, uh, Isaac Smith, um, Hodgie only played in 2017, then he finished up, went to Brisbane. So, but we had some good experience and some good youth as well. Played in some stacked teams. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, played with some pretty special players. Cyril, uh, he was there in 2017, obviously played with Bart up in Sydney. So, I've been pretty blessed to play <laughs> with some of the icons of the game. 2017, you're runner up in the Brownlow your first year at Hawthorne. And then 2018, you win it. Um, what's that? What's that period like? I mean, you, you, you're at your peak of your powers. I'm not saying you can't do it again, but 2017, 2018, some good years of footy. Yeah, they were probably yeah two of my better years. Um, yeah, I guess just I've touched on Clarko a few times, but he really backed me in. I think he gave me so much confidence, which I'd never had that before. And he, you know, gave me some guidelines and parameters and um, some things to focus on in my game. And I just. Yeah, I just I don't know. I was playing with so much confidence throughout that time. Twenty eighteen was definitely my best year of footy, uh, and that was on the back of I guess being a part of that system for a year, understanding the way all the boys played, the way the club operated, and just just having that um, that confidence to go out and perform. And it helps having a lot of good players in your team as well, which we we had a strong team. So um, you know you always got to pay credit to your teammates. We had some you know really good players who'd played in premierships and played in big games. And I think having that experience to guide you as well does help um, play well. Okay. Well, yeah, your teammates were important, but you had 50 twice that year. You had 54 <laughs> the most ever. Uh, again, yes, your teammates. So I'll let you say that, but I'm going to say you had a pretty good year as well. Um, given you a 2017 runner-up, you're coming into that year and the year that you had, um, what, what's it like Brownlow night 2018, assuming you came in as favourite? Did you write a speech? Uh, I think I was the favourite. I'm not sure who else was in contention. I think Dusty was up there. I think Max Gorn was up there. Um, I had I had some like just some dot points just in case. It's not uh, really a, something you can you know uh, think yeah. about or educate yourself on or pra- practice for. No, well, you can't recite. And probably when you get up there, you just um, <laughs> butcher it anyway. Yeah. So I had some some dot points. I remember it was a good speech. I think I did all right. I shouted out barbecue shapes in my speech and got um <laughs> I got three hundred boxes delivered to my house the next next week. Wow! I had to give them away because I was getting too fat in the off season. But um, <laughs> I remember when they so you know how you would have been to a Brownlow stream, but you can't just yeah. I was a fullback. I remember that. <laughs> That's all right. Um, you can't walk around during when they're doing the count. So like, there's a certain rounds where you can go out of the room, right. go to the toilet, or get some fresh air if you want to. And I remember I went out because I was getting a bit nervous, getting tight towards the end. I was in contention and I went out and then I couldn't get back into the room and it was it got to like the last round. And uh, I remember going to the lady, I'm like, oh, I think I need to get back inside. She's like, no, you can't. And then someone else, Did you? the security camera was like, no, nah, he, he needs to, like, he's about to win it. He needs to get back in there. She's like, well, I've been told that no one can go back in. So oh I'm thinking, oh God, this is embarrassing. It got like to the last <laughs> round. Time. And then they ended up getting me through to the chair because they need you in the chair for when they're doing the last 
yeah. round when they got the cameras on you. So I luckily got there. <laughs> Shout out to the lady doing her job yeah, to yeah, the degree. Got it. No, I mean, you got to respect the fact that she's her. not letting the How her nerve. <laughs> did you um? Did you ever ask Clarko about falling asleep in your speech? Uh, yeah, I've spoken to him about it. It's good footage. He wasn't asleep. He was unlucky because so where I'm <laughs> sitting now, they put him in the worst spot in the whole venue. He so the stage is there behind this wall, pretend. Right. And his back is facing like he's in the worst yeah. bit of possible. He's, got, he's in yeah. he's in the back pocket or the forward pocket. Yeah. Yes. And so I think he's sort of leaning like this, trying to listen. Um, but it does look like he's asleep. It's got brought up <laughs> plenty of times, but uh, he wasn't asleep. He, just he came focus. over and um, I still remember what he said. He's he whispered, he grabbed me, he said, mate, well done, we're so proud of you. Uh, make sure, you know, you thank both clubs and, um, you know, thank all these people and just, just how, um, yeah, I, get, I just gave me some some points to follow, which he'd always done for my time there. So, uh, really. So just throwing your, your prep out the water with, um, oh, yeah, exactly. the a few more dot points <laughs> on the end of it. So, no, he was great. What's your family's reaction to that? What's, what's that mean to them when you win the Brown Yeah, yes. it's not something that you go out and, set out and try to do it's just one of those things that it happened and it's pretty cool to be able to share that night with your family and friends I remember so you go into this room after where all the media are and I've never had to do that much media or seen that many cameras in a room there was maybe I don't know 50 100 cameras and (laughs) it's pretty surreal my family were up in they got a hotel room at Crown for the night and we're watching in the room Um, and then you go out of the media room into like another function space and I remember walking in and all my teammates were there, all my best mates were there, my whole family was there. I was like, this is not happening, this is crazy and you're sort of the centre of attention for the night and then you go to the after party and you go there and um, yeah, have, it was an awesome night. Did you have a couple of beers? Had a couple, yeah. I didn't do what Cripp did this year, Paddy Cripps, uh, we had a big night. We were in his room till about five. I took charge of ordering um, all the beers and the food on his account and he pretty much, he would have got like half an hour of sleep before doing the media. I reckon I got a few hours, but I was still a little bit dusty in the morning. <laughs> so I saw I saw Paddy Group. So you were in his room where, Pre, you, you're the reason he didn't get any sleep before. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> there was five of us in there. It was his manager, myself, his girlfriend, his dad. His dad was, uh, his dad fell asleep on the couch and we, we put some hot chips on his face and he, <laughs> he slept like that. Um, but, Classic yeah. prank. Like, yeah, it was good. That was a good night. It was prank. great saying a good mate when it, it was pretty, pretty rap for him. How have you guys – How you seem to be sort of connected to quite a few AFL players. Is it because you've played at so many – Probably, yeah. I don't know. It seems like you've got relationships with guys from other other clubs and quite close. Yeah. Well, I probably – so growing up in Melbourne, moving to Perth, moving to Sydney, moving back to Melbourne, like I've done a lap of the country. So <laughs> probably got to know a lot of the guys, you know, Cripper and Lockie Neal are probably two from other clubs that I'm quite close with, hence the ball magnet stuff we're doing together. Uh, I we'll, think they're we'll du- into that. Yeah, we'll they're WA connections. Um, yeah, it's just a part of the footy journey. I'm sure you'd have some um, some yeah. players you've met from other clubs who you're pretty close with now. Yeah, as well. it's a good point. Um, I've seen a little bit of footage floating around recently, and you're saying that you can't remember this, can't remember that, <laughs> but you've got a memory. Yeah, don't you? Yeah, certain things. Very good. So <laughs> not so good. <laughs> so AFL player number recall. Yeah, that's my go. Yeah, talk me through that. Well, I think it was just being around footy when I was a kid, loving footy. There's home videos on uh, – mum's got them converted onto a computer now where her and dad are showing me footy cards of players and I'm about two and I'm going, Jason Dunstall. And, like, <laughs> I'd throw a little say- saying on the end of them so it might be, like, Jason Dunstall, one of the toughest players, like, 
must be things I've heard from commentary. So there was that part. And then moving to like my middle school era of say year seven to year nine-ish was me and my mates loved doing fantasy footy. And so at school on the laptop, all we did was sort of, you know, dream team and things like that. And I came fourth in the country because every every you came fourth. Yeah, I came That's fourth. Huge. I'm so, a massive fantasy player. Yeah, so I don't do it anymore. But there was, I think I burnt all my energy through it then. But every every class, you get the laptop on up. You meant to be working on your assignment. Um, but I'd be doing dream team, doing trades, full research. It was full operation. So, so then I obviously got to know the players playing throughout era because yeah. I was always doing that. So given your love of AFL fantasy then, because it sounds like you, you must have known you're a genuine, genuine pig in the, fan, yeah, in, the, in, the, in the fantasy land. I know you I've have. Got to, there's yeah. been a lot of questions. I've got to know the AFL media. fantasy guys and I've done their potty a couple of times. Yes. Um, so you have to be elevated to pig status is one of the uh, biggest achievements. <laughs> genuine, genuine pig, mate. How good. <laughs> what did you get for coming fourth? Nothing. Nothing. Nah. Um, Came second in a weekly ha- prize. Came second in a weekly prize. I think it was it was a thousand bucks for I've done that too, just so we know. Have you won that? A weekly no, prize. Second. I came second like oh, you. Yeah. Well, you get, you nothing, get nothing for nothing. second. <laughs> so came second in a weekly prize and then the overall winner wins a car. Yep. Didn't win anything. Had nothing to show for it. Now back on the AFL number recall. So what does it mean? If I throw players at you, what, from not any era? Probably like two thousand onwards. Just any I'm actually worse with current day. Really? I don't really know. Like, I'm not very good with like current day, but sort of, yeah, maybe, yeah, try. I don't know. Have a go. Dan, you can test him out. Yeah, okay. I'm trying to think of players that I know just rather than like looking you, them up. You could, say, you could say the team and the number and I'll say the player or you could do the other way around. Really? Yeah. That is wild. Dan, this is, well, this is you, mate. You types I better of, get a few right. What, you mate. want me to? Oh, you're setting okay, up ready to last, type. Last week, I thought you were going to ask him. Last week, we are talking about 28 uh, West Coast Eagles. And, and go, yep. There you go, straight up. Very good. Um, oh, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm, trying gonna, to I'm gonna stay, Let's stay. Let's stay in West Coast land because. Okay. Uh, 18 West Coast Eagles, but Ryan like, Jones. Mm. <laughs> 50. 50. Now, see, like they have to have that's, played like a that's few in the games. 90s. Do you know that? Uh, Turnbull. Yeah, Ryan Turnbull. Yeah. Well done. How did yeah, you know, I don't know that? Who that is. Nah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Come uh, on, man. <laughs> they have to have played AFL games. You saying? Well, like yes, like 20 plus. They have to have been like. Can't play like. Turnbull played. A lot? No, no, but in the 90s. You okay, said like sorry, 2000 sorry, sorry, onwards. Yeah. Sorry, okay, okay. Um, okay. You played for West Coast, so you know more. Play your name if you want whatever. Yeah, great. Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's actually like hard to do. Yeah. I mean, Quinn and Lynch. 21. Yeah. What did he wear for Collingwood? Ooh. Yeah. See, that, that's testing. See, that's hard. See, I don't know if he played over 20 for, for Collingwood. Yeah, I don't know. But that's like, that's 21 West Coast, yeah. Yeah, 21. Michael Braun? 10. I mean, he's in West Coast areas now. You need to like get him, get him out of the West Coast. <laughs> uh, what did Sean McManus wear? He wore eight. Yes, he did. What did Clive Waterhouse wear? Twenty-six. Yes, he did. Well <laughs> done. Tony Modra at Adelaide. That's before my time, but okay. I think six. Yeah, he did wear six. Um, okay, so I need to like, I'm see, I'm I'm funny and I'm old, like quite old. Why here. don't you just like, Chris Main, Freeman, twenty-three? Why don't you? Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Just like say this, just go say yeah, yeah. a team and a number. Just make that up in your head. Random, just... Uh, okay. 2012? West... Uh, <laughs> West Coast, any S- other day. Sydney? Oh, you... This yeah, is I was a, there. That's a, that's a, that's a gift. Yeah. No, okay, let's go 2008, Sydney, 20. Um, <laughs> well done. I know Leo Barry is 21. Yeah, I've really screwed myself. Oh, this I mean, is that's my suggestion a, too. But, uh, Luke Ablett? Was, Sorry, he was 20. What was the number I gave you? 20. But he might have retired by then. Uh, I think he wore 20. I can't even find a website anyway. that shows me Are that. you a footy boots guy too? Nah, still side bottom. That's his talent. Jacko Nelson from West Coast Eagles played 100 games. Yeah. He could name any player any year. Boots. And like would go through their careers like Tom Mitchell, he wore yellow, Nike, fucking blah, blah, blahs. Could do that for That's literally impressive. like – Anyone, anytime. That there's something. There's, there's that's nothing, that's, nothing that's, that's proper like yeah. tweaking a little bit, isn't it? Like, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. As we can still talk, I just want to look up if Luke Abbott was twenty. I think he was. Well, I think I think he might have been too. Two thousand eight's decently far. That's a long time ago. I just find it interesting that um, that your memories like it is. You've done it. Yeah, thanks. Okay. I feel like that's yeah. I feel like you it. and I have butchered this, mm. and Tom Mitchell has not. Number twenty, Luke Ablett, two thousand eight. Well yeah. done. I feel like that proves a point. Yeah. No one knew that yeah. apart from Google. <laughs> um, let's come back to the career. So you win, win the, win the Brownlow. Um, do you get to? Do you, is there is there like a club? Is there like a special club? People who won What's the Brownlow. Do you get? Yeah. Nah, nah no. Who, like who that. handed it to you, the Brownlow? Oh, Dusty. Dusty did. Yeah. That was cool. That's elite. Yeah. Nah. Nah. Nothing like that. But. I'm not huge on memorabilia. You get given a heap of memorabilia for your for yourself, but like I think it'd be weird if you had like a shrine of yourself through your house. But the one I have kept is I've got this big frame, and every Brownlow medalist that's obviously won a Brownlow has signed it, and it's a it's a jumper with a Brownlow emblem on it, and it's got you know your Jard Ablett, all these that's guys, Simon Black, all the all my favourite players going up all on this jumper together and mine's on there too. I'm like, that's pretty cool. That's great. I've uh, got some memorabilia for you. <laughs> you got this? Um, that is funny. I've heard about this. This is the Hawthorne uh, 2023 calendar so that you're three on. three of the four run on it. That's funny. <laughs> three of the four run on Give there. the camera a look. Um, yeah, this one, yeah. <laughs> so Ben McAvoy <laughs> retired. Yeah. Uh, Jago Mira got traded to Frio. Yeah. You got traded to Collingwood. And yeah, James Johnson's Warple. in the back too. Is that Warple on the front? <laughs> yeah. So he's the only man remaining. They wouldn't have sold too many of them, I reckon. <laughs> well, <laughs> someone we bought, one someone bought it as a present purely because it was That's funny. That's kind of funny, yeah. There you go. Um, you broke your leg, started the 2019 preseason or somewhere yeah. there. So after winning the Brown low, coming into, you'd assume, you know, just prime time. What what happened? Mm, that was tough. I remember like 2018, had a good year. The team had a good year going away. Having some time off, I think I went to Europe, probably went to Amsterdam again, didn't run into you blokes that time. But um, I remember like 
how fit I was going into 2018. And I was like, I just want to feel like that again. And Andrew Russell was the high performance coach at the time and did a great job. He's a good friend of mine. And I remember going into 2019, I was like, I was fit, I was stronger. I felt like I was going to be better. And it was the first session back after Christmas, the first training drill. We were doing a short-sided handball game. I've got the footage on my phone. I can probably show you after. Yeah. I don't know why I've got it on there, but I do. But um, I went to tackle onto someone. My my leg was sort of swinging, swinging in the air and another player uh, was coming. Tim O'Brien was coming another direction. His leg was planted and my leg sort of just wrapped around his leg. So it was a tib-fib snap. And I remember looking down. You'll be able to see it in the footage, but looking down, my leg was in half. My foot was facing the other way. Oh. And I was just thinking – the first 30 seconds didn't hurt and then because I was thinking I was in shock but you can see the footage of everyone who was right near the incident just runs off because it was pretty gruesome it was pretty bad and um, yeah I remember the physio and the doctor the first thing the physio said he goes he gets there and he goes ah oh, shit and I'm like as soon as he said that then I started panicking a bit he had to traction my leg until the ambulance got there the paramedic actually he was on his first day I remember the paramedic got there oh. and so he was shaking to put the, the morphine or whatever Jesus. it was in the and he kept missing me. And so I just said, I, I need the experienced doctor to do this. Like I'm in a lot of pain here. A few grain whistles and, um, yeah, off to hospital straight after. Tough day. Yeah, bloody oath. And, you know, obviously all that comes with that from a performance element as well, right? Like you're the leader of the team, you're the best player in the team, best player in the competition and 2019 gone like that. Mm. Um, what? How, how difficult is that mentally? I didn't, yeah, I didn't deal with it great. Like, yeah, um, the first three, few months in particular, I was just in so much pain. I remember every time I'd get up because you have to like keep your leg elevated. I had to inject myself with this stuff every night to thin my blood so your leg doesn't clot. Um, and I just remember being in agony every time I'd stand up because there was so much metal in there. My leg would like swell and expand, really painful. And the club were great. They actually gave me some time away throughout the year because it was a long rehab ahead. So I remember I went to Fiji for a week, and then they actually let me go to Europe for summer which was that was Good. one of the benefits got to do european summer um half, half your life living in, in well Europe. it sounds like it not really i reckon i've been twice but um <laughs> or, like even like six months into my rehab and i'm limping walking in pain walking i'm like I'm, i don't know if i'm gonna get back here like it's like you have those thoughts and the medical team assure you know you'll get back but then you're like well ever, am i ever going to be what i was all those thoughts cross your mind so that was a tough 12, 18 months, yeah, to Did, get through. The, was that one the the am I ever going to get back to my best? Or, yeah, like is there, is there spending periods thinking like I'm not going to play again here? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's crazy. I remember the doctor saying when I was on the ground and I probably had a few green whistles so I probably wasn't asking the right questions anyway. But I was like, oh, how long will I be back in? Like I can get back pretty – I'll get back here this year. He's like, he's like, no, get your head around. You're going to be out for a long time. Um so that was tough. It was tough to deal with. Um, I think since then I've learned a lot about perspective and, you know, one of my good mates, Alex Johnson, you know, he's he's had it. There's always someone on worse off than you. At the time, you think it's the worst thing in the world and it, it did suck at the time and I did struggle through it. But, um, yeah, good. it's given me good perspective on people out there that are, have much bigger issues in life. You know, footy's a, a game. I think as you get older, you realise it's a game. When you're in your your peak and when you're young you think footy is life i thought certainly did but footy was everything um but yeah it was a tough tough period to get through i remember playing 2020 as well i still don't, didn't feel like i was right like at the time i thought oh no i feel pretty good but looking back to how my leg feels now i'm like oh, i was not right like i was 
not playing on one leg, but that leg didn't have much in it. You know what I mean? So. Mm. Are you mentally thinking about it when, like, in the game? No, yeah. never. I did for the start of it. Like, every time I'd go for a grand ball, so it was my left leg, I would always leave it with my right leg. If I left, if I led with my left leg, I used to like put up in the leg in the air around congestion because I feel like that must have just been my brain playing tricks on me. So in the end, what we were doing, the way we trained it was, um, I'd go into packs and at very low level, we'd have people kick footies into my leg and sort of kick me in the leg almost like a soccer player until I could get my brain to process that I could go in on that side again. So we actually trained that. That's cool. From afar, it looks like you. Um, Maybe like out of the box a little bit. You do do extra stuff outside the footy club, seeing across socials, a few different trips and different things you look at, and perhaps based on what you're talking about there. Did you have to? Did you have to go outside the box to get yourself back to your best? Yeah. So I built a really good relationship with a guy named Mark McGrath, who was uh, on the Hawthorne medical team at the time, and I see him religiously every week i've seen him every week in my career I, I don't miss he's actually gone to europe for six weeks so i'm uh I've, I've done so much work with him now that i know what i need to do each week to um get my body feeling as good as it can going to every game but he helped juddy with his groins um you know coming from west coast to carlton yeah. um you know juddy i think was going to get surgery he said we can get you right without that um Hodgie, when I first got to Hawthorne, was spending so much time with this guy, Mark, and I was like, what's Hodgie doing? I need to look into If Hodgie's doing it, I need to, need to be doing it. And then I just got entrenched in it. So it's called DNS, Dynamic Neuro, Neuromuscular Stability. And, yeah, that that was what I invested so much energy into and I've, my body's never felt better. Like, I feel great and I think it's due to that work. I'm not big on weights. Um, every player's different, trains in different ways. I'm not big on weights, I find. I put on too much muscle, get too heavy. It's a running game these days, so I'm all about movement and, um, yeah, I, like I'm a ground-level player, like being able to get into positions low on the ground, be efficient at ground level. So there's a lot of things I've um, tweaked and playing with to, you know, channel into my specific role. Like DNS, what, what, what is it? Like what sort of stuff are you doing? You say him weekly, what, what are you doing? It's it's hard to describe, but – um. Like if you look at it, if you guys looked at it, you would think it's yoga, right? Or Pilates. That's it's what like you would putting think. yourself, your body into different positions and holds yeah. and that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, holds and things, and and then certain positions that are footy specific. Uh, but the the background of it is it's from from how a baby moves, and babies are very. This is a weird topic, but <laughs> babies good. are very efficient in the way that they move because. They don't, they don't have muscles. They they use their um, their levers and their their body weight distribution to to move and to get into certain positions. So there's like the three month, six month, nine month pose and like how a baby uses its body most efficiently. And obviously we're manipulated as we grow and get older. Um, you know, you do things like sit at desk and you you lose your form of what you're meant to do naturally. And it's all about reprogramming your body to to do that again. So I've invested a heap of time into that and that's what I do each week. It's pretty interesting. Mm. I've never heard any stuff like that before. Mm. I wish I'd have maybe known that as a player. I wasn't big into weights either. I just didn't like them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, you're, you're at Hawthorne, clearly um, play with some great players there. Um, uh, any 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 top tier guys, any good stories from people you played with there? Like what, what's it like being around – that success because that's what that is that culture's success mm. high performance right i'm assuming you would learn a lot there too yeah yeah no, hawthorne was 
a great experience in terms of stories like I wish I got to play more footy with Cyril and Hodgie. They were only there in 2017. There was this one game. We were playing West Coast at the G on the far wing. I was front and center for a contest. Cyril took a hanger and it looked like he was flying. Like he was just like floating <laughs> through the air. I'm like, I was like, I had the best seat in the house on that. It was pretty sick. Um, Hodgie was just a competitor, like just tough, but great guy. Like um, would look after all the boys and just combative even at an older age, but you know, if you if you saw when he gets the fiery eyes, you don't want to be on the other end of that. If you compare um, the three clubs, um, I know you're currently at Collingwood, but what 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 makes a good side? Like, what what is it that sets a good side apart? Is it talent? Is it the players? Is it the coaches? Is it is it if there's there some is there some things that you can look at and go, well, that's why they were really good? And is it does it follow clubs across clubs? Yeah. Trying to, I'm trying to think of something that's not – I think that's what sometimes gets overshadowed like um, a lot of teams talk about. Like all this is so important and I don't know which one is in order. Um, but like having a good system, having good coaching. I generally think that if you've got good players, that sounds so basic, but <laughs> good players are going to win. Hmm. The more good players you have, you're going to win. I know that sounds like basic level, like obvious, but – uh, guys with talent that work hard, I think, you know, I think good players will find a way to win no matter what. They'll just figure it out. So I think the more – does that sound too basic? No, no, I feel like good. it's something that's not overshadowed because everyone wants the new fancy word or term or something. I think um, generally the, the big players and the, the, you know, the star players, you see it in other sports and other codes as well. It's always those guys that are at the pointy end. Uh, it's not a fluke. So I think it's a combination of – the best players I've seen, the ones that have the ability but also work bloody hard as well. And then when you've got a lot of those guys playing to a system and playing together and playing united for each other, um, I think that's a perfect storm. Yeah, very good. Um, lucky Socks, talk to me about them. Lucky Socks? Do you still wear Lucky Socks? No, I never have. Is that you? No, it's not me. Okay, perfect. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good chat. Yeah, well done. <laughs> All right, thanks for coming, man. Yeah, <laughs> um, So you traded to Collingwood. Uh, this year, um, what's 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 that like? We, you weren't. We, were you getting traded when we saw you in Europe? Uh, no, it, uh, it might have been. Would have been in the works, probably. Yeah. Um, I went to. It was. I was in America when the trade went through. Yeah. Um, in terms of Collingwood, I've never been happier or had more fun in my whole footy life. It takes me back to Kerry Grammer days, playing with your mates on a Saturday morning. I haven't had this much fun ever. I think it helps that we're winning at the moment, but I think the environment that Fly's created, he instills so much confidence in every player on the list, builds everyone up. It's it's a different approach. Like, um, you know, we still get messages across, but it's completely gone away from the old school method of sitting blokes out the front and doing these feedback sessions. Which you would have seen. Oh, yeah, I saw all that. And I thought it was over the top. Yeah. Like it was – when you've got 40 blokes sitting around – so you're at the front telling you what you're. Good I don't. At I've been. I've been there, mate. I, I think there's healthier and better ways to do it. Yeah. Um, and clearly, I think a lot of teams are steered away from that now. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's just I don't know. A very modern way of coaching and um, fly has no ego. He preaches no ego. We're process driven. Uh, we have you know we we try and get better every day. We we don't even really look at the result like it's not spoken. About, I haven't spoken about the latter once. Um, uh, but I've just never had this much fun and enjoyment um, and it's hard to explain without, I guess, being in there, but I'm just really happy at the moment. You're a senior player in there, effectively, right? 
I mean, is that think you, you think that has something to do with it as well? Given the experience and the things you've learned over your last two clubs, getting to a club, being a senior player, um, you'd have some leadership element in there as well, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think as you get older, you naturally take more responsibility and want the responsibility to to guide and help players as players that came before you did for you. So there's definitely a part of that, and there's definitely um, yeah, like a sense of you know coming to a new club, you want to take a back seat and and learn and figure out how it all works. But then also, I think as you mentioned, being senior, you you have a responsibility to to give back and to have an opinion and to um, try and contribute as well. Um, and then yeah, where where you find that balance is sort of up to you. But I think uh, initially, I think it's smart to sort of learn and. How, how the club works and, and and not overstep, but then when the time's right to help and contribute and do that with the individuals and the whole team. I saw um, some videos of you at training. Uh, I think you were mic'd up and they had sort of ISO'd in on you and you, you know, I think you're trying to play a couple of pranks on guys and stitch them up with um, sort of inside jokes and stuff. Is that like, you know, you're, and you're just new at the club, so you just sort of, is that how you operate? Um, with with the guys, or was that like a concerted effort to try and yeah. sort of get yourself involved? It's probably a reflection of how the club is, to be honest, and how you're just encouraged to be the complete version of you. Um, I reckon as I've got older, I've like learned to have more of a laugh and enjoy the ride as well. Um, I think you know on the field I'm quite competitive, but at the right times at training and you know even staying with um, the boys when we get some downtime, like I, I think they'd probably say like bit of sort of like a jokester, like love having a laugh, um, went off the footy field. So, yeah, I probably have a combination of both. What are you motivated by as a player coming towards the back end of your career? I'm not, not saying you retire anytime yeah. soon, but you're older I'm now. You've got to go to West Coast after this. Yeah, time. correct. <laughs> yeah. So um, you're not an 18-year-old anymore. Yeah. What motivates you now to rock up every day and get better? It's obvious. Uh, premiership, clearly. But also just having an appreciation and loving what I'm doing at the moment, like loving – coming to work, like you can't take those periods of your life for granted because there's going to be challenges that will come down the road. Everyone's going to face them and I'm sure I'll have some that will come um, at me uh, in the future. But just really enjoying where I'm at, not wanting it to end. Like I'm just loving footy at the moment, clearly chasing team success, wanting that and um, taking a lot of pride as well in seeing the growth of other players. So the Dacos boys who obviously were in here before, like I work – really closely with them and they've got a lot of it figured out but taking a lot of pride in working with them at the club away from the club and then seeing them get results game day and doing so well i'm like i'm so proud of that and really happy for them genuinely happy um there's there's just i reckon there's a select group that are starting to really figure it out off the field in the afl in terms of what they're doing either in media or business and uh, we're talking about a little bit but ball magnets um been watching that from afar big fan uh, without really understanding too much about it, I'd like to ask you a few questions. But um, you know, clearly you've you've uh, identified that you know, there's life after footy, right? This is a life after footy thing, as well as using your platform you have right now to really generate an audience. Do you want to talk about what Ball Magnets is? How did you start? How did you form the relationships with the guys you're doing it with? Can so, we hang out with Josh Giddy at some point? Yeah, get, <laughs> get Giddy in the garage. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, um, it's been something that, We've been working on for, I think it, just over two years now. So I actually came up with the idea through COVID uh, when footy was cancelled and 
I was like, I, I can't waste this time. I need to be doing something. And so I, at the time I was spending a lot of time at some junior clubs and helping out and doing some coaching and things like that. And when footy cancer was, sorry, footy training was canceled for multiple teams, I was still writing some drills and programs for some kids because I'm always doing my touch and some little kicking drills and, and the parents loved it. And so I sort of started giving this stuff out. And then one of the parents um, approached me and said, well, why don't you build a website um, about this? And I thought, yeah, that's cool. And then the idea of an app came about and had some people in business who were actually from the local footy teams who uh, had some experience and we helped form the idea. And I said, okay, well, I'll float the idea by few of my mates around the league, Cripper and Lockie Neal. A couple of Brownlow medalists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just the boys. And they loved it as well, like, you know, trying to utilise the time and make something. And it's funny how a, a small idea like that blossoms, obviously with a lot of help, but blossoms into something that we're really proud of. And we've got 30,000 users on the app now who, wow. yeah, want to learn, I guess, what it takes to get to the elite level and all our little tips and tricks of the trade, but you don't have to be elite. You can be at any level and, and learn and all the drills and training we do. Uh, we've just released our first um, push program. So push for push yourself. Um, so Cripper's program's just been released, uh, which is cool. Josh Giddies will be next. So to be able to go into other sports as well is, is really cool. Um, so we've got AFL and basketball. We plan on expanding that further, but yeah, even to get to know Gids quite well and, um, yeah, see what he's done with the basketball. The basketball stuff's going to be awesome when it comes out. How do you go from a time management point of view, um, given that you're, so, you know, you're, you're, you're primary and, and as it should be is trying to win a flag, playing footy, mm. getting better. How do you go from a time management point of view building this sort of stuff while you're, while you're playing footy? I, d yeah. I don't think there's probably enough appreciation given to footballers that it is actually, you know, there is actually time required to be a footballer. Yeah. People think you get paid a lot of money, play on the weekends, how good, get to train yeah. with your mates, which is all true. Yeah. But as a t certain time commitment, how do you go putting time into this given what you've got done? done it's, with yeah, it's tough because well, we get obviously a day off a week um, from the footy club to either, you know, you can do what you want with your day off. But um, yeah, I think I think it's a, it's important to to in, invest in something outside of footy and, and something you're interested in. I reckon there was a period, maybe it was 2020, might have been 2021, where I reckon I went too far and I was probably doing too much outside of footy and almost burning up and it started affecting my footy yeah, and training because I lacked energy and I was burning out a bit. So I reckon I find that found the balance a bit more. Now I would love to be doing more ball magnets, but like you said, my priority is footy yeah. and Collingwood. So yeah, it's just one of those things you have to sort of take a back seat and and do what you can when you have the time to do it. But um, yeah, I think the off season and things like that is a good time to to bank up some content and some ideas and try and drip feed that through the year. So that's what we've been trying to do. You get together often, the boys that you're doing it with, you're linking up. Skyping, zooming. Yeah. Uh, how do you how do you do it? Or like, how do you logistically catch up? Giving you a yeah. different state. It's tough. We had Cribber's wedding over New Year's in WA actually, so that was sort of a time we're all together. Not that that was a business trip; that was more <laughs> leisure. But um, uh, yeah, we we catch up on just uh, group phone calls. Obviously, we got a text group every now and then. We'll jump on a Zoom call every now and then. We'll we'll have a meeting with the Ball Magnets board and the chairman and um, all of us together. So they're probably um less regular but yeah we try and we're, we're always chatting like every week we're chatting in the text group and then we probably try and organize a call i would say maybe well we have a meeting once a week but um that's in melbourne obviously hard for lucky to get there but um a call probably once a month i would say so thirty thousand on the app at the moment what's the goal we got goals in mind different sports what's the growth for it yeah different sports for sure 
Um, you know, we want to try and get the best Australian athletes in each category. Josh Kitties may not have had a start to his basketball career. He's <laughs> killing it. Um, but yeah, we, we just want to, well, some new things we're doing as well. We're, we're incorporating some corporate speaking days. So June 15, myself, Cripper and Josh Giddy are on a panel talking about what we think's got us to this level. We'll be doing ball magnets clinics. So, um, you know, around the country, getting kids, huh? kids down to uh, interact with us and do some teaching. And then obviously just all the, the drills and skills that you can get on the app. So how do they access it? How do you get involved? Yeah, so obviously the App Store, uh, just ball magnets on the App Store. If you'd like to download the app, it's a, it's a free app. Is it? It is free. Oh, um, so that's really cool. And then the push programs, which I guess are the, the real one percenters, the, the next level up. If you're really taking your sport seriously and want to learn, then it's ballmagnetspush.com.au. And um, yeah, the programs are pretty cheap for what we what we give. But um, yeah, the more people we get using ball magnets and I'll have to get you guys some merch, but uh, yeah, the better. So we're we're really uh, proud of what we've done so far and really excited for what's next. Well, it's, it's been cool. great to watch grow, mate. I've been watching and um, I think a lot of people have. It's good to see. Look, AFL guys using that platform. I know, uh, look, my, my career, just to be a bit self-indulgent, we'd have people come in and say, you need to be looking after yourself after footy and do this and do that. And look, I, I never had a great deal of people that I really connected with from that aspect, but – I think what's you know really great to watch you what you're doing, even what Mason Cox is doing in the game right now. That insight and that um, the ability to use your platform and your audience, which is like that's what media is right now, basically. Whether it's apps or oh, I just think it's really really great. Um, you guys are doing a good job, so good job. Thanks. Make Have sure you, you support found, the I boys. Got a question for you: Have you found like yes. obviously being in the game now, being out of the game, is it harder being out of the game with less? Like you know, celebrity relevance or whatever, whatever the word is. Yeah, like, I'm irrelevant. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you got about 25 podcasts, so you're killing it. But you know what I mean. Like that's why I think it is important because naturally people are going to, I assume, care more when you're playing. But you, you, you've two, done it. So well, what do you so think? two things. So um, like, not that I had a great deal of relevancy as an AFL footballer. I like to be self-deprecating as well. So those people are saying, mm -hmm. "No, you're a good guy." I know that. But in saying that, once you get out, you very quickly realised that. Football is a circle about this big. And right now you're in it. And even though you're doing this ball magnet stuff, um, which is great, you're still in the football bubble. And it's not until you are taken out of that bubble that you realise life is a lot fucking bigger than footy. Mm. And so as soon as you realise that, it's actually it's actually way easier out here in the real world. The harder you work, um, the more you get rewarded. So if you're willing to work hard, back yourself in, Put yourself out there, take opportunities, all that stuff that you learn as a footballer. But you just you can only impact it in the football world when you're a footballer. Once you're out, if you translate the things that you do as a footballer into the real real world, it's pretty easy. Yeah. I've actually had a couple of people tell me that, um, and it's not pretty easy. It's hard. It's bloody hard work. But the hard work you get rewarded for it um, as a footballer, and you're probably a little bit less dropped than I was. I was the most dropped player in the history of the West Coast Eagles Football Club. But I found. Sometimes the harder I worked, I didn't get rewarded. Yeah. Um, whereas potentially once you're out, yes, you're not on the you know TV every weekend, but that's footy. Footy's a TV, footy on the weekend, even though right now to you it's big, and I know you get, have some understanding it's not. It's the world's a lot bigger. Yeah. Does that answer your question? I don't know. Thanks. I don't know. That was a bit no, deep, wasn't it? You no, that was good. It's my podcast. I asked the questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, 
in saying that, I am done finishing asking you a question, mate. Have you had fun? I've loved it. Thank you. We're not done yet. Social media. <laughs> it's part one. Yeah. Okay. No, no. Social <laughs> media, months. not social media, social yeah. media, where we get the people to ask you the questions. Uh, you've been very generous with your time so far, mate. Just a couple more from the people, for the people, for Tom Mitchell. Happy? Yep, let's do it. All right. Did you join the Pies due to the relationships you built during nights out at the Osborne? <laughs> That's from uh, Norman the Porn Dorman, which is the guy's name. Yeah, well, um, so a good friend of mine, Simon Lennox, he he owns the Osborne. He's a good man. And, um, yeah, it wasn't uncommon to see, you know, the Dacosses and, and these kind of boys <laughs> there. So it was actually good. Like before I got to Collingwood, I did know Darcy Cameron through Sydney Connections. I knew Tay Adams as well, the Dacos boys. Darcy Moore was a carry boy. So there was connections everywhere. And so I kind of – I knew Jack Inman a little bit. There was kind of connections any, everywhere, so I did feel like I'd met a lot of the boys before getting to Collingwood. I think he's the most connected man yeah. in the AFL. <laughs> um, now, normal. Mitch asks when uh, when am I meant to be asking this? When the you, boots are up at the so end of your career, be um, you've got some options of who you can support. Do you have any thoughts on that? Is it who, who you AFL, could, team? AFL team? Yeah, I mean, you got Carlton, Sydney. Yeah, uh, I would say Collingwood. All right. Yeah. Good answer. Yeah. That's a smart answer. You never thought employed, I'd say that as a kid. He's employed be, by them, right? It'd be Collingwood, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bailey Berry, 16. Uh, will we see you wearing a Collingwood sleeve? Nah. No? Nah. Clean? I'm not, a, not a tattoo man. Um, yeah, no no tattoos uh, on my body. A few tattoos fighting around at the footy club, though, There's isn't there? A few. It? Yeah, I'm trying to count how many sleeves we'd have all together. We'd have a couple. What about long sleeve Guernseys? I wouldn't wear one. No? Nah. Never worn one? Now, some of the guys. Do you, do you feel like when you see someone wearing them, you your like level of respect drops for them? Nah, or not get really. I think I think certain guys can pull it off. Right. Certain guys can pull it off. Bobby Good. Hill can pull it off. Pendles actually had one in his locker before the game against. He's never West worn Coast. one. He's never worn one. But it was hanging up. Hanging up. I was like, You're not wearing that. He's like, No. What was but the I, we, We've all got the option. Are you telling me that Scott Pendlebury is a chance to be a long sleeve no, jumper? He won't. He won't. Um, you've you've all got the all, option. Well, yeah, we've all got a long sleeve jumper. Like there's. Yeah, that's not that's uh, at your other footy clubs. Has that been no, the case? It's normally been you got to request it. That's at right. The start of the year, but well, they weren't allowed at Hawks, right? At Hawthorne. Uh, yeah, apparently, but I think I still did. Didn't I? I don't know. I never got to wear one at West Coast. I'm still living. I find you get too hot. I've done it at training before. Billy's underscore adventures. Uh, who was your biggest mentor in the first few years at the Swans? I would say Goodsey and Jude Bolton. Um, boxy underscore boxall. Uh, what's the best kick you've ever done for goal or in a play? The one you look back on and go, shit, yeah, that was a good kick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one particular kick. Like had fifty touches in the game, mate. Um, God, that's tough. Um, what about what about this one? What about your first goal for Collingwood? I just watched it before. You yeah. just parked in the forward line by yourself and you and you snagged one. Yeah, um, a lot of carry on with that as well. Yeah, good carry on. Yeah, great. Uh, yeah, I started at half forward. I think Tay Adams. We'd done a swap. He went into the centre bounce, kicked it over the top to me, and I think it was our first goal for the game. So it was, yeah, it's pretty cool when the boys get around you like that. We had three first goal kickers that night: Bobby Hill, Dan McStay, myself. So Darcy was saying <laughs> he did three long one fifty meter strides from fullback to get to all of them. <laughs> That's good. Good GPS numbers. <laughs> big, big underscore Levi underscore Casbolt. Are you aware you carried everyone's fantasy team for the last six years? Yeah, fantasy community would like to thank you. Uh, <laughs> no worries. No. <laughs> um, I would have been aware in my early days, but um, 
Nah, wasn't aware of that. Lloyd Merritt, four. That's a deep question. Would you do anything differently um, or have liked to have been a one-club player? Nah, nah. I'm, I'm pretty happy with the journey I've been on. Um, you know, going to Hawthorne was awesome and going to Collingwood's been awesome. I wouldn't change it. Um, what was the first part of that question? Uh, anything you'd do differently? Anything I'd do differently? I would – easier said than done. I would um, – would have tried my first part of my career would have tried to enjoy it more or not be so rigid. Hmm. Uh, Guy Prentice. Uh Are they practicing new techniques to take advantage of the new sling tackle ruling? Uh, Jay Revolt said as much the other night on Fox footy. Yeah, I think so. I think it's uh, something we, our tackle coaches, Neville Jetta, and there's certain things that we're working on. We do like small breakdowns because yeah, it could cost you a week if you tackle the wrong way now. So it's important. There was a tackle on the weekend. Not sure if you saw Bo McCreary had an Eagles player about to sling him in It was the exceptional and on the boundary. Almost, he almost let go. Like, I don't know. We're not learning to do that, but I thought it was clearly in his head because he did follow through with it. He, like, placed him on the ground. He placed him, yeah. He laid him. Yeah. <laughs> it was great, Put a little mate. pillow down for yeah. him. I mean, some of these things that are happening in the AFL at the moment, does it – Does it? you think about that? Is the game still too quick? You're not, you're not thinking about these things, are mm. you? Yeah, it happens quick. Um, trying to think if I've been in any situations like that. Yeah, there's been a couple of situations where things have happened real quick. But, um, yeah, I guess you, you try and train and program your body as much as you can so that instinctively you do the right thing. But sometimes you're going to get it wrong. Mate, it's been a pleasure. That's us done and dusted. Uh, a big thank you to you. Thank you, Tommy Mitchell. A big thank you to our sponsors, Swimply, Whippersnapper Whiskey, Margaret River Roasting Co., Blue Bet, Shelter Brewing Co., Leadable cameras, of course, Fleet Network, driving back chat in yes. 2023. We're going to get you to hang around for one more story, mate, for our VIPs, our patrons. You want to join that side of things, backchatpodcast.com.au. I don't know what, but we're going to have to get something going with ball magnets. I don't know what I can give some advice on, but I want to go his head on that somehow. Uh, mate, we appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.